Welcome to the podcast of Tech EU. This is our episode number 149, recorded on December 27th, 2019, which makes it the last episode of our podcast this year. I am your lonely host, Andrei Degler, spending time in my hometown of Kharkiv in Ukraine, while my usual co-host, Natalie Novik, is unable to join thanks to holiday guests. We will still hear Natalie's voice later in the show, however, in the segments that she has recorded separately. I hope you're all having a great time in this holiday period, and I'm very happy that our podcast can be part of your Christmas and New Year's routine. It's going to be a reasonably short one today, so let's dive straight in. It's been a predictably slow news week for the European tech. It only took me a couple of hours to put together our newsletter. Normally, it takes about four hours or something. However, there still were some interesting stories, and I decided to talk about drones. And not just any drones, but the ones that maybe will one day deliver your takeaway meal. So here is the story. The startup called Mana, which is a clever name for this kind of product, I have to say, has landed an undisclosed additional amount of funding, which closes its seed round at 5.2 million US dollars. According to Crunchbase, the latest addition to the seed round of Mana is 3 million US dollars, and the latest investor in the company is Dynamo Ventures, which kind of prompts a quick disclosure. Uh, John Bradford, partner at Dynamo, is also part of the founding team of TechEU. So, what is Mana? It is a Dublin-based startup that builds its own heavy drones that are supposedly great for takeaway food delivery. The main idea here is that the drones would fly at about 80 to 200 meters high within the two kilometer range of a restaurant or a dark kitchen to deliver the meals for customers. They are not supposed to land at the customer's place. Instead, the drone would descend to 10 to 15 meters and lower the food down with a biodegradable linen thread. The startup was first covered by media in April this year, and coincidentally, it was uh, our friend Jonathan Keane, who used to write for TechEU some years ago, to cover it initially for Fora. And back then, uh, Mana's founder, uh, Bobby Healy, said that the startup would go live by the fourth quarter of 2019. But that did not happen. What did happen, however, is that in June, Mana secured a partnership with Flipdish, an Irish food ordering software company. And the company said that they would be launching first pilots together by the end of this year. Those plans apparently also have been postponed, and according to the latest comments by Mana, the startup expects its drones to go up in the air in early 2020 and deliver first meals somewhere in rural areas in Ireland, and then slowly work their way to the suburbs and eventually the cities in both Europe and the United States. The fleet of MANA drones is expected to be operated directly uh, by the restaurants and dark kitchens, though I don't think that they would actually need to own those drones because MANA's promise is that drone delivery would cost significantly less than what they pay now to humans riding bikes or scooters. It is still not quite clear uh, how MANA would be working from the regulatory standpoint. As far as I understand, uh, operating a drone beyond the line of sight isn't really allowed in most of European countries yet, so I would imagine that the team is now hard at work talking to the policymakers and trying to uh, make things fly. What I've been thinking about since reading this story, though, is that 
I'm not quite sure that there is actually a problem that should be solved by drone delivery. I mean, the delivery time in a two-kilometer range for a drone and a bicycle won't differ too much, even in a densely populated area like, I don't know, Dublin city center. And Mana also mentioned that it lowers pollution. But then again, the bicycle is a perfectly clean delivery vehicle. What's, uh, what's the problem here? So in general, I do love technology and the futuristic stuff like this makes me curious for sure, but I'm not sold on this particular use case. If you think I'm missing something here, do tweet at me and let me know. But one way or the other... I am looking forward to ordering a drone delivery, even if just for the fun of it. Now that's it from my part, and uh, I am giving the floor to Natalie with her segment for today. Hi, everyone. It's Natalie here, and I hope you're all doing well. For my final segment of the year, I wanted to return to a story that I first shared back in May on podcast number 119. May 25th marked the first anniversary of GDPR. On this podcast, we've shared a number of impacts that GDPR has had on tech in Europe. And what stood out for many people is the record-breaking fines that have been handed out. Germany was the first country to prosecute and fine for a data breach, and France has been notable for handing out some of the biggest fines allowed under the auspices of the regulation. Notably, in January, France handed Google a 50 million euro fine. But it's not Germany or France that people have been looking at when it comes to really recognizing the scope and potential of GDPR. The country that people have been looking to is Ireland, which is the European home of many of Silicon Valley's biggest technology firms, including Facebook, Microsoft, and Google. These companies also happen to be the recipients of the most number of complaints under GDPR. And this is a significant thing because under the EU regulation, it is the country where the firm is domiciled in Europe that has the responsibility for prosecuting GDPR compliance. This means Ireland holds many of the cards when it comes to enforcing GDPR for these huge tech companies. And of course, they're some of the world's biggest and most powerful firms. So they've got a huge, huge job here. And Ireland is responsible for basically enforcing Europe's privacy regulation on Silicon Valley. If we put it in perspective, how big of a job this is. Last year, Alphabet and Apple, each of them had cash reserves that totaled about a third of Ireland's entire GDP. Something that further challenges this relationship is the reason why these big companies are headquartered in Ireland in the first place. That is, of course, it is the country's corporate tax system, which has made Ireland an attractive and comfortable place of residence for tech giants. French economist Gabriel Zuckman, one of the leading authorities on tax avoidance, has called Ireland the, quote, world's number one tax haven, end quote. And he's also a great follow on Twitter, by the way. You might recall that Ireland's tax system is so comfortable for foreign tech companies that the European Commission took the country to court over it. Specifically, the EU found the country's generosity when it came to taxing Apple a bit too friendly and ordered Apple to pay back 14 billion euros in back taxes. Rather than accepting 14 billion in past due taxes, Ireland, of course, appealed the decision. Now we're several years removed from the original ruling and the case is still winding its way through the court system. So when we think about GDPR and Ireland uh, holding these companies to account, this is a lens by which we should view their subsequent policy. 
Over the summer, Ireland was critiqued for not doing enough to prosecute and investigate GDPR complaints that they've been raised. At that time, they had identified over 5,800 legitimate data security breaches that potentially could be prosecuted under GDPR. In response to criticism, Ireland's Data Protection Commission publicly claimed that they would be launching an investigation into Google's complaints with an expected result by July or August of this year. But as the summer ended, no prosecutions have come forward. And now we said at the end of the year, Ireland has still declined to prosecute any GDPR violators. The results of investigations into Facebook, Google, Twitter, and WhatsApp are long delayed, with complainants and privacy advocates frustrated and waiting, while other countries around Europe have been successful at prosecuting these companies. Ireland's Data Protection Commission has blamed the delays on a myriad of factors, in one case attributing the delay to a procedural complaint by WhatsApp's lawyers. This complaint, described by the Irish Data Protection Commissioner as, quote, legitimate, is expected to further delay the decision. Meanwhile, GDPR complaints in Ireland continue to rack up. From January, more than 7,000 complaints and nearly 5,000 breach notifications have been received just this year alone. And this year, the commission has been contacted by consumers and businesses for GDPR compliance more than 40,000 times. And it is likely that the delays in Ireland will continue. In October, it was announced that the budget allocation for the Data Protection Commission, which has the responsibility of investigating the claims, has was allocated less than a third of the funding they had requested. Due to budget constraints, the watchdog has said they would need to reevaluate their priorities for 2020. And this is a big job for a country that has such a big responsibility when it comes to regulating these big tech companies. The continued delays have frustrated some of Ireland's European allies. Politico, which has done some extensive reporting on Ireland's GDPR compliance, has reported other European countries have expressed trepidation over their ability to prosecute these companies, which potentially speaks to more systemic challenges when it comes to enforcing GDPR and privacy violations across Europe. One of the examples that they've identified is a lack of transparency and cooperation between European data protection authorities and the cultural differences between how countries are enforcing the laws. Politico indicates that cultural differences and language barriers between the national and subnational privacy protection regulators has prevented authorities from working together on cross-border cases. When GDPR is supposed to be this ambitious, world leader when it comes to privacy protection, but can't be enforced adequately, how good can it be really? We're going to find out, thankfully. And just before Christmas, the Council of the European Union has adopted a formal review of GDPR to be released on May 25th, 2020. So the second year anniversary of GDPR being passed. The report will take in the positions and findings of the European Parliament and the Council, as well as the comments from member states. In their directive, the Council states that GDPR has been a success while highlighting the inherent tension specifically when it comes to cooperation regulating so-called big tech companies. So in the new year, this is something that we should be looking forward to. Hopefully, we can also count on hearing the outcomes of the Irish investigations as well. In the meantime, I would urge you to check out Politico's reporting on Ireland and its GDPR compliance. They've done an incredible job over the course of this year, pulling together some of the key parts of this story and really exposing the scope of it. 
we have some of the links in our show notes today and an excellent long form piece that came out last week that you should really check out. Natalie, thanks a million uh, for uh, sharing your today's uh, segment. And now we can go straight into the recommendation part of the show. And uh, mine is going to be like this. Uh, believe it or not, but generally, I'm not a very negative person. Uh, but what I wanted to recommend uh, today is actually a big and comprehensive list of technological fail- failures uh, that we have seen over uh, this decade. It was compiled by the team of The Verge and the people includes 84 items that were believed, at least by their creators, to become great, but never quite did, or maybe they were shut down for other reasons, or something else happened. So it's failures, flops, and all sorts of things that we have seen shut down uh, from 2010 and until now. Uh, That includes uh, the $10,000 Apple Watch, Google Reader, VR Movies, Uber's IPO, and much, much, much more. So there's also a bunch of things that I haven't even heard of, but certainly an interesting read for the New Year's Eve. Check it out. I will leave the link in the show notes. Now, again, uh, back to Natalie for recommendation from her. Following your recommendation, Andre, I don't want to leave the podcast on a negative note for the end of the year. So for my final recommendation of 2019, this isn't going to be a book or a podcast. Rather, it comes from me as we close out the year. And I hope everyone can spend a little time offline rather than online to look forward into the new year and to appreciate what you enjoyed, what made you proud, what made you happy. Perhaps you can think about how you want to make next year a really great one, or maybe just take some time for yourself and try to relax. So many of us in the tech world, they work so hard and burnout is real. And we see it every day with the companies that we're covering. And if you have the chance to start the new year as refreshed as possible, I really hope you can do that. I had a really tough 2019, but taking the time offline to recharge and refocus, this is what's really helped me get through it. And one more thing, I just want to say thank you all for listening. Thank you for following the podcast and for tuning in each week. Everyone that listens, you mean so much to us. So wherever you are, I hope you have a great start to the new year. And I hope to see you back in 2020. Natalie, thanks a lot for this great recommendation. There is nothing I can add uh, to this. I do think the same way. And thanks for adding some positivity to my recommendation that I made earlier. Now, this is it for our today's podcast. I do hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, tell a friend or colleague about the show and follow our updates on Twitter at tech underscore EU. Audio engineering for this podcast is done by SoundPulse. That is sound-pulse.com. Please feel free to email us anytime with any questions suggestions and opinions at Andre at TechEU and Natalie at TechEU. Natalie, thanks a lot for recording your segments today. Thanks everyone for listening. Enjoy the rest of your week. Talk to you next Monday. Happy New Year and have a great time. Bye-bye.